and ride it. So go and get to grab it. Go pop a four plan, pop pop a four me. Turn around and drop a four a plan, drop drop a four me. I'll rent a beach house in Miami. Wake up with no jammies. Lost the tail for dinner. Coolio served that scampi. You got it if you want it. Got got it if you want it. Said you got it if you want it. Take my wallet if you want it now. Are you looking for a car? Would you like to save $500 on a car? Well, check out Southfield Quality Cars. Southfield Quality Cars has been around for over 20 years and has sold thousands of cars to many, many satisfied customers. And they will find financing for anyone. Whether you have good credit, bad credit, no credit, they can get you in a car that day. I know this because I just recently purchased my second vehicle from Southfield Quality Cars. So if I've gone there twice, that lets you know that I was more than satisfied with my experience with Southfield Quality Cars, and you will too. Go to SouthfieldQualityCars.com to check out their inventory to get an idea of what you're looking for, and then give them a call. You can call them at 313-769-0988. And if you just want to go in and check out their inventory live and in person, they are located at 16941 West 8 Mile Road in Detroit, in between the Southfield and Lodge Freeway. Look, the holiday season is here, and tax season is coming up really, really soon. So if you're looking for a car, check out Southfield Quality Cars. And if you let them know that Devin McKenzie sent you and give them the promo code 19309, that's 19309, you can save $500 off of your car. So you're getting a good quality car, $500 off, great customer service. Speaking of customer service, make sure you holler at my man Ray. Ray will get you right and do it with a smile. Southfield Quality Cars is open Monday through Saturday. Monday through Friday, they're open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. And for those of you busybodies during the week, they're open Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. So whenever you get a chance, check them out and make sure you let them know that Devin McKenzie sent you and give them the promo code 19309. That's 19309 to get your $500 off your new vehicle. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of All Steak, No Sizzle, Steak Bites. I am your host, Devin McKenzie, here once again <laughs> with a lot on my mind. Um, like I said, this is a steak bite, so there's really no format to this. Um, I don't have any notes prepared. This is literally just me shooting off the top of my head about, um, you know, whatever the topic is. And this time, we're going to be talking about the state of football in the state of Michigan. The state of football in the state of Michigan. Say that three times fast. Um, but before we jump into that, let me just say Happy New Year's to everybody. Um, I am recording this on New Year's Day. It's uh, <laughs> 5 p.m. Um, I got finished watching the Michigan versus South Carolina game. I've got thoughts on that. Um 
the Detroit Lions season is over. They just fired Coach Jim Caldwell, so I have thoughts on that. Uh, Michigan State beat Washington State in the Holiday Bowl. Oh, my phone making noises. Uh, I've got thoughts about that. and We're just going to talk about football in the state of Michigan uh, in general. And pretty much the whole day I've been debating with people about the Lions and none of the game has been over for about an hour, hour and a half as far as the Outback Bowl with Michigan and South Carolina. I've been debating with people about Michigan football, so I just felt like I needed to go ahead and um, do a quick podcast and just get, get all my thoughts out real quick instead of, you know, typing away. Um, man, I really don't even know where to start. I feel like I feel like I should start with with the good. Okay, we'll start with the good. Shout out to Michigan State football. Michigan State, um, they played in the Holiday Bowl. I want to say that was on the twenty, either the twenty eighth or the 29th of December. Um, they <laughs> annihilated uh, Washington State University. If I'm not mistaken, going into the game. Michigan State was ranked 16th and Washington was ranked 18th, or it might have been the other way around. But it was number 16 versus number 18, two top 20 teams in the nation playing each other. Um, Mike Leach has one of the most high-powered offenses. Uh, I mean, always, like from his time at Texas Tech up until now at Washington State, he's always had a high-powered offense. And look at my phone again. I'm sorry, fellas. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. But uh, Mike Leach has always had a very high-powered offense. So going into this game, uh, that was definitely something that I was keeping an eye on. It's like, how can they slow down that high-powered offense that Washington State is going to bring in? And they absolutely shut down Washington State. By the time the second quarter was over, but when, <laughs> when halftime hit, man, it was, it was pretty much, you know, the writing was on the wall at that point. They, Michigan State got off to a little bit of a slow start. Well, actually, both teams got off to a slow start, which is kind of understandable because they've had, what, three, four weeks off now. So it's kind of understandable that you get off to a little bit of a slow start, but once Michigan State got going, man, they they annihilated Washington State. So shout out to Michigan State for winning the bowl game. Uh, of course, there there was some controversy going into uh, the bowl season. Um, there was a you know back and forth between Michigan and Michigan State about which bowl games they were they went to. Um, Michigan was playing in the Outback Bowl, which is on New Year's Day, which I guess you could say is perceived as a better bowl game than the Holiday Bowl. To be honest with you, it, to me, it really didn't matter. You know, both teams weren't playing in any of the now the the I think it's the New Year's Six bowl games. They weren't playing in any of those. There's now basically six big bowl games. Off the top of my head, Peach, Cotton, Sugar, Fiesta, Rose, and what's the other? 
Because the original Big Four was the Rose Bowl, Sugar, Fiesta. Rose, Sugar, Fiesta. Ah. Add the Peach Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Anyway, I can't remember them all. But neither Michigan nor Michigan State were playing in the Citrus Bowl. That's the other one. So the Michigan nor Michigan State was playing any of those bowl games. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make it to the Big Ten championship game. So really, it didn't matter at that point. Honestly, going into it, I, I, I felt like the Michigan State versus Washington State game was a better game. You have two ranked teams going up against each other, um, two top 20 ranked teams going up against each other. So I felt like... You know, it didn't matter what the actual bowl was. I just felt like that was gonna, I thought that was going to be a better game. Well, <laughs> come to find out which one was the better game it ended up being Michigan versus South Carolina, but it it didn't go Michigan's favor. But we'll talk about that in a second. But um, Michigan State went in. I guess they went into to this game with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they weren't playing on New Year's Day. Um during the press conference for the game, reporters were asking Mark D'Antonio questions about Jim Harbaugh. And, he, you know, Jim Harbaugh just said, well, you know, that's fine with me. They're playing on New Year's Day. We'll just keep beating those guys. And I think that's the right mentality to have, man. You know, what matters is what you do on the field. And they beat Michigan this year. They beat Michigan. They beat Penn State, who was a – uh, ranked team at the time. They were a highly ranked team at the time. Um, I, I just feel like Michigan State had a really good year, especially what they put on the field last year. Last year they went 3-9 and nine and flipped that to 93 during the regular season and to get 10 wins once they uh, got the bowl win. 10-win season is definitely something to be proud of. And it's something that they can build on for the next year because they have a lot of young players. They're not losing a lot going into next year. And I think Brian Lewerke, the quarterback, has definitely shown that he's he's going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. And <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State is not the favorite or one of the favorites to win the Big Ten next year. Um, Ohio State is definitely going to be up there, but they're going to have to bring in a new quarterback. Michigan it's basically in the same boat. They're going to have to bring in another quarterback, whether uh, Shea Patterson, who they're getting from Mississippi, or Peters, who, to be quite honest with you, hasn't really shown me anything yet. Uh, whether they're the quarterback, they're going to have to figure that out going into the offseason. While Michigan State has their guy so, who's won 10 games, who's in his first full year as a quarterback, he won a bowl game. He showed, he's shown everybody that he can come up in big spots. So... And, and and shout out to Mark D'Antonio for doing a good, great job flipping from last season to this season, from three and nine to ten and three, you know, and then beat some ranked teams and and was in the conversation to uh, play in the Big Ten championship game this year. Now, when they went up against Ohio State, things did not go well for them at all. <laughs> but you know, if I could, if I say, hey, going into the year, your only losses are going to be to. Um, <laughs> Uh, one of the teams that was in contention for the national championship, or two of them, really, uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State, both playing in, you know, the 
New Year's Six games. They were you know, in contention to make the playoffs. Ohio State, you can make the argument should have made the playoffs. And, you know, the Northwestern game, it, it, it was what it was. It was a tough game. They lost it in, what, double or triple overtime. I forgot which one it was. But, I mean, Ohio State and Notre Dame, those losses are tough. But, you know, it's not like you were losing to teams that you shouldn't have lost to. And you beat a ranked Michigan team. You beat a ranked um, Penn State team. And you won your bowl game against a high-powered offense. So, more power to Mark D'Antonio for a very good year. And... <laughs> they have a, like I said, they have a lot to build on, and let me let me say this. <clears throat> I believe Mark D'Antonio is one of the five best coaches in college football. You can you can even go as far as to say he might be in the top three. You could probably make that argument, but I think he's definitely one of the top five coaches in college football today. I mean, it's hard to find five coaches that are better than him, that have done a better job at their current school than than him. You know, of course, you had to put Nick Saban in there. After that, I mean, uh, you can say Dabo Sweeney down there in, in Clemson. Who else? Well, we'll say Urban Meyer. Okay, there's three. But Michigan State is beating Urban Meyer. A few times. Like Michigan State has more Big Ten championships since Urban Meyer has been there. So you can argue that back and forth. So to me, Mark D'Antonio is definitely one of the top five coaches in the nation. He he has done so much with um I don't want to say so little, but when you have a Alabama a OSU and you have that that prestige and that name behind you, you're getting top recruits from all around the country. Michigan State, I mean, they have to fight with Michigan in their own state to get top recruits. They're fighting with other teams in the big team that have bigger names to get those recruits. So while Michigan, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, where they're getting four and five star people, Michigan State, they're, they're having to do this with a lot of three-star, two-star players. They might get a, five, a four and a five here and there, but most of their guys are three-star players, you know. And for them to accomplish what they've done over the years of the Antonio regime, it's pretty amazing. And it lets you know how good of a coach he really is. So shout-out to Michigan State on their season. Congratulations, fellas, winning the Holiday Bowl, getting 10 wins, and bouncing back from a very rough season last year. All right, so where do I want to go? Well, since we talked about Michigan a little bit and Jim Harbaugh, and it's fresh on my mind, let's go ahead and talk about Michigan. Michigan came into the bowl game against South Carolina 8-4, and and they were going up against another 8-4 and team, two very similar teams that really haven't beaten anybody. And that's that's my gripe. You lose to Michigan State. You lose to Ohio State this year. Your two main rivals. You didn't play Notre Dame this year. Jim Harbaugh right now is one in six against his rivals. The only 
time he's beaten one of his rivals was last year when they beat a 3-9 and nine Michigan State team. Now, I still haven't figured out what happened to that Michigan State team last year. Maybe it's because they, they lost a lot. They did, they did lose a lot of talent to the draft and, you know, just to attrition. Maybe it was just a down year for them, and maybe they didn't realize how how much of an impact losing those players was going to be. But one in six, and he has not beaten Ohio State? Come on, man. Um, and, and, and this year was so frustrating because they didn't beat anybody. I can't, I don't remember the last time they've beaten a team that I actually respected. It might have been Penn State last year. That's one. But whenever they go up against a ranked team, I don't, I don't think they've beaten a ranked team yet. I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, I'm I didn't have any notes. I'm I'm this is all coming off the top of my head, but it, it's frustrating that Harbaugh is the highest paid coach in college football and he's not getting the job done, man. Like this is not this is not what this is not what we expected. You, you got to beat Ohio State. Got to. <laughs> that's that's the game every year. You got to beat Ohio State, man. They had a great opportunity last year to do it, and they came up short. Um, that first year against Michigan State, I, I I've been saying this since that day, and <clears throat> a lot of Michigan fans don't want to didn't they didn't want to criticize him for that game then. I've been criticizing them since day one because when I went back and watched the footage, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That muff, that punt, that block punt, that falls on the coaching staff. Whether you want to blame the special teams coach or you want to blame the head coach, I'm going to blame both, but mainly the head coach. Because at the end of the day, you had a timeout. Or even if they didn't have a timeout, you don't snap that ball. <laughs> you yell to your, your punter. You yell to your team out there, don't snap the ball. Because that play, if you go back and watch that footage, Michigan State was not trying to return that punt. They were coming to block that punt. But if you watch it, Michigan was in a punt return formation. They had gunners, which... There was no one there, and once you once you watch that ball get snapped to the punter, you start seeing the players on the Michigan team running down the field like they're about to cover a punt, a normal punt, and it wasn't a normal punt. They were coming to block it, and they did. And your coach sat there and watched it happen. That was that was the first year, and that was the first moment I was like, that was bad on Jim Harbaugh. The whole situation with I can't remember the quarterback's name. Oh, man. What was his name? When the quarterback uh, got a concussion and he put him back out on the field. I can't remember the quarterback's name off the top of my head right now, but you Michigan fans know what I'm talking about. The kid was clearly rocked. 
He shouldn't have been on the field. And Jim Harbaugh put him back out there. That bothers me. Can't beat Michigan. Let me take that back. You can't beat Michigan State. You can't beat Ohio State. You can't beat ranked teams. Harbaugh's coming into his fourth year. If he doesn't do something in this next season, the 2018 season, you got to start talking about, (laughs) you know, where do we go from here? Honestly, I think the conversation should be had right now. But I feel like one thing that happened previously, you can't make the same mistake. I feel like this team, the school, gave up on Rich Rod too quick. Because I felt like that fourth year, Rich Rodriguez was getting ready to do something really, really nice. And you see when Brady Hoke took over, basically ran the same offense. They went 11-2 and two that year. I think it was 11-2. and two. Yeah, that was the year they went to the Sugar Bowl. So I think in college football, you definitely have to give a coach four years. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give Harbaugh his four years. But... Man, we gotta talk. <laughs> we, we 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 gotta talk, man. We we need results, or we're gonna have to have a very serious conversation next year. I want to have that conversation right now because I'm not seeing the progress. The conversation needs to be had. We, he has to. I think he has to produce next year. Do you realize that since the Big Ten went to the Big Ten championship game format, Michigan has not played in it. They have not even played in the Big Ten championship game. I think Michigan State has been three. They played in three or three or four Big Ten championship games. Ohio State's been in like three or four of them. Michigan hasn't been there once. Come on, man. At least get to the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State has a gripe right now. They won the Big Ten Championship, but they were left out of the playoff. But they've been there. Michigan State <laughs> won a Big Ten Championship and was in the, the, the national playoff. Michigan hasn't played in the Big Ten Championship game yet. So, you need to quit... Talking about, you know, Michigan State is little brother or, you know, Ohio State is, you know, still not this and that. No. Go win some games, man. Beat them. Just beat them. Beat those teams. Beat Michigan. Beat Michigan State. Beat Ohio State. Because it's not happening. Go beat a Penn State. Go beat Michigan State. Go beat Ohio State. Get to the Big Ten Championship game. Win the Big Ten Championship. Because Michigan State and Ohio State have done that. Michigan has it. And I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of talking about the past. I'm tired of hearing Michigan is the the, the, the winningest program of all time. I'm tired of hearing talking about 1997 National Championship. That was 20 fucking years ago. 
The school hasn't won a Big Ten championship since, what, 2003? That's the year I graduated from high school. Come on, man. I'm tired of, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of excuses. Get the job done. And if Harbaugh doesn't get the job done, we need to start having some conversations. And speaking of being tired, man, the Detroit Lions. Um, shout out to my boy Seath. Me and Seath, we did uh, NFL season preview that I never put out, <laughs> and I, I apologize to Seath for that, man, because we we sat here and we talked for two. About two hours, man, just previewing uh, the 2017 season. But, um, you know, life and stuff came up. So I never put that one out. And I, I might just go ahead and put it out anyway. You know, better late than never, right? But, you know, we, we definitely talked about the entire season, you know, the entire NFL season. And we definitely talked a lot about the Detroit Lions. And one of the things that I said was is that I was renouncing my rights as a Detroit Lions fan. Because, one, I realized this team, I'm not even sure they had signed the extension yet, but I realized this team was going to re-sign Matt Stafford and make him the highest paid player in NFL history. If you have listened to me talk about the Detroit Lions at all, you know I am not a Matt Stafford fan. I never have been. I probably never will be. Um, also, if you listen to me talk about the Detroit Lions, you know I'm not a Jim Caldwell fan. I never have been and I never will be. Um, but this season, I've, I've basically accepted the fact that Matt Stafford is here. I mean, you just signed him to a five-year extension, making him the highest-paid player in NFL history. He's here, and he's st- he's going to be here. So you just have to accept it. But I, I, I've said it time and time again. I think Matt Stafford has one of the two or three most talented arms in the game. I think the only person that has a better arm than him is Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers has the best arm in, in football. Matt Stafford is right there. Matt Stafford can make every throw in the game. Only problem is he can't do it consistently. And he makes bad decisions too. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But I've accepted the fact that Matt Stafford is the quarterback of this team. Okay? And you're paying a guy $27 million a year. You have to surround him with the talent and the tools to win. And Jim Harbaugh can't do that. Not Jim Harbaugh. I'm sorry. Jim Caldwell can't do that. And I was saying that in the beginning of the season. And the fact that it, it, at that time the news report came out that Har- I mean, I want to keep on calling him Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim Caldwell had been assigned to a multi-year extension. So at that point, I was done. I honestly did not watch. I don't think I watched a full football game this whole year. I take that back. I watched one. I watched the Pittsburgh Sunday night game. And really, the only only reason I watched that full game is because there was nothing else really on. And two, in my fantasy league, I had Juju Smith-Schuster playing, and I needed him to have a big game in order for me to have a chance to win that game, which he actually ended up (laughs) having a very big game. But this team is almost unwatchable because you know what's going to happen. And yeah, they they finished with a nine and seven record. 
right? But they didn't make the playoffs. Um, they lost some unbelievable games. They didn't beat anybody of any consequence. They beat the Minnesota Vikings early on in the year. I give them credit for that. But at that point, they were still holding out hope that Sam Bradford was going to be uh, their quarterback. And Case Keenum was playing, and he was it was early in the year, right? So they played him later on in the year on Thanksgiving Day. And it was basically for the Lions, it's like if you win this game, you have to win this game in order to have a chance to win the division because the Vikings were two games up at that point. So you had to beat the Vikings on Thanksgiving Day to have any chance of winning the division. And the Vikings just kicked their ass. So... <clears throat> You look at all the teams with winning records and playoff teams that they played this year, they lost. They lost to the Panthers. They lost to the Saints. They lost to the Falcons. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens. They lost, and they got blew out by the Ravens. They lost to the Vikings. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting. They lost to the Steelers. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm still forgetting a couple. Um, They beat the Cardinals. And that count. Uh, who did they play in the East this year? They played the Giants. They were bad. But my point is, is that <laughs> they didn't beat anybody of consequence. And then when they were put in situations where it's, you know you have to win to keep your playoff hopes alive, they lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, who had a lame duck coach going in. You know it had pretty much been reported that Marv, Marvin Lewis was going to be gone from the Cincinnati Bengals. This team was what five and nine at the time. And they beat you. They eliminate you from the playoffs. And then <laughs> once again, Jim Caldwell made a bad coaching decision. He should have challenged the play at the end of that game. Not <sighs> Not saying that it would have been reversed, but the fact that you didn't even challenge it to get a chance, give your, your team a chance, is, is the problem on a fourth and 12. What did you have to lose at that point? You're already down. You're trying to, you know, drive down the field, make a comeback. Stafford made a hell of a pass. Um, Tate, I, I, I think there was a chance that it would have been uh, reversed and you would have kept the ball. And if that does happen, you now have momentum. Everybody keeps saying that Matt Stafford is captain comeback. Well, give him a chance to make that comeback, damn it. <clears throat> and then they go out and they win a meaningless game against the Green Bay Packers. They blow them out 35-11. to 11. I, I don't respect those, Packers, those wins against the Packers this year because Aaron Rodgers didn't play in either one of them. The Packers without Aaron Rodgers, that's a hollow win to me. So Caldwell's fired. I give them I give Bob Quinn credit for firing Jim Caldwell. I honestly think he should have did that as soon as he got the job three years ago. But I one hundred percent believe that was not his call. I believe that Martha Ford loves Jim Caldwell so much that uh she told Bob Quinn that if you take the job, you gotta take Jim Caldwell. And 
I, I felt Caldwell should have been fired pretty much every year since then. I, and people are like, well, wait, they, they went to the playoffs last year. Yeah, they went. But they backed into it. They lost the last three games in the regular season. And when they had a chance to win the division in that last game of the year against the Green Bay Packers, they lost. The only reason they got into the playoffs is because uh, Washington lost earlier that day, which basically solidified a wild card spot for the Lions. But they had a chance. If they beat the Green Bay Packers in that last game of the year, they would have won the division, and I think they would have hosted the game against the New York Giants, which I honestly felt was a better matchup for them, and I felt like they could have beat the Giants at home. But they didn't do it. (laughs) <laughs> they lost to the Packers last year, backed into the playoffs, and then they got their ass beat by Seattle. And coming into this year, one of the things me and Seath talked about on that episode that never came out was, what are your expectations? And he said, you got to win a division or you got to win a playoff game. Well, they didn't do that. They didn't. They <laughs> they lost a division uh, on <laughs> I mean, before that Minnesota game. But that Minnesota game really sealed it. And in a year where Aaron Rodgers is hurt for pretty much the whole year, you couldn't win the division. You weren't even close. You were... The second half of that schedule wasn't really that tough. And they couldn't beat... Anybody of consequence. And when they were putting a, you know, win or go home scenario against the Bengals, they went home. They choked. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad Caldwell's gone. And what, what bothers me is that people are talking about, well, they should have kept Jim Caldwell. Why? What did you win with Jim Caldwell? You didn't win a playoff game. You didn't host a playoff game. You didn't win a division. Oh, you went 11 and 5 one year. Okay. Yeah, that was the first year that was part of the Mayhew regime. I try not to bring that up, but they went 11 and 5 that year. That, that was good. You know, one of their be- you know, highest win totals in team history. But had they won that last game of the year against the Green Bay Packers, they would have won a division. And what did they do? They came up short. They choked against Green Bay, and then they lost against the Cowboys the year after that. Then, then you brought in Bob Quinn. Okay. Last year, playoffs. Yeah, you made the playoffs for the second time in three years, but you lost the last four games of the year against winning teams, and you lost in the playoffs. And once again, you choked away the division. This year, choked away the division when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Yeah, Caldwell's record is 36 and 28. Okay. How many of those were against winning teams? How many of those were against playoff teams? How many of those were wins against teams that actually mattered? How many of those wins were fluky as hell? Like that that 11 to 5 year, man. The one game that that Two games that pop up in my mind right away. The game against Atlanta and the game against the Saints that year. The Oh, my God. The encompass. Oh. 
I can't remember the exact scenarios, but both of those games, something freaky happened, and the Lions ended up pulling a victory out of their ass. And it's like you cannot rely on miracles and pixie dust. You can't do it. Like I, I here's a here's 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 a stat for you. The Lions have not had a 100-yard rusher in 67 games. That's four years. During Jim Caldwell's entire tenure as the head coach of the Detroit Lions, he never once had one player, one running back, run for over 100 yards. Never. Not one. This team has been in the bottom 10 in the NFL in rushing for four years. Eventually, you would think, hey, maybe I need to fix this. I'm the head coach of this team. Maybe I need to figure something out with the running game. And it's not 100% on him, too. I get, I, I'll say this. That's not 100% on him. Part of that is on the, the GM because they should have drafted a running back last year, and they should definitely bring in better running backs. But at the same time, you're the head coach. Everybody keeps talking about how Jim Caldwell is an offensive guru. Oh, he's the one that, that was the offensive coordinator of the uh, Baltimore Ravens when they won their Super Bowl. Oh, he he was an offensive uh, guy with the Colts. He was the head coach of the Colts that got to the Super Bowl. With Jim Caldwell is such a great offensive mind. Why couldn't he figure out how to run it in? Just run the ball. Run the ball. Oh, uh, that's Jim Bob Cooter's job. Okay. Well, if he's not getting the job done, you override him. You're the head coach. At the end of the day, every play that's called, every decision that's made it goes back to you. Those are the guys you picked. And if you see them doing something that you don't like, you change it. You know why? Because that's your job. You're the head coach. Four years, and they've not had one player run for over 100 yards. This year, they were dead last in average rushing yards per game. I think it was like 78 yards a game. I want to say it was going into week 15 that, as a team, they hadn't run for over 1,000 yards yet. It's sad, man. It's truly sad. And I'm not sitting here saying to you people that I know the game of football like, you know, from the inside out that I would be a great head coach. I'm not saying that. But if there's something that I understand about the game of football is that how do teams win? Run the ball, good defense. If you can run the ball and you have a good defense, you have at least the foundation for a good team. And let's just say Matt Stafford is a, is a top 10 quarterback. Let's say he, he's the 10th best quarterback in the league. Let's just, I'm, I don't necessarily believe that. That's up for debate in another time but let's say he's a top 10 quarterback if you can run the ball play defense and you have a top 10 quarterback damn it you should be where the patriots or the pittsburgh steelers or the seattle seahawks are because basically i just described the seattle seahawks right there top 10 quarterback running game good defense maybe not the seahawks this year but the seahawks of the past that's how they did it. And, hey, here's another thing. When the running game wasn't working for the Seahawks this year, 
Russell Wilson had damn near an MVP season and carried that team as far as he could. Not just beating bad teams, but beating good teams too. Something Stafford hasn't done. He doesn't beat good teams himself. I told myself I wasn't going to make this about Stafford, but okay. But Jim Caldwell has not won anything here. He hasn't done anything here. He's he he and the problem is I think what I think the problem is is that Lions fans are so afraid of going back to this team winning three four games a year that they're willing to accept they 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 they're settling for uh, nine and seven and not making the playoffs or making the playoffs but backing in and not winning the division. This team has not won the division since nineteen ninety three. 91 or 93, I forgot which one. But they, they they don't win shit. They don't win playoff games. They don't win divisions. They back into the playoffs. When there's games that they need to win, they don't win them. But yet, yeah, we're, we're still talking about, well, Jim Caldwell's the winningest coach in Lions history. The Lions ain't won shit since 1957. Of course he's going to be the best fucking coach this team has ever had because this team doesn't win shit. Saying that Jim Caldwell is the best coach in Lions history is like saying that (laughs) this turd is the best piece of shit (laughs) there is because it, it doesn't have as much corn in it. Until you win the division or win a playoff game, until a coach does that, I don't care what their record is. It doesn't matter. Win a division, win a playoff game. And don't say this team hasn't had the opportunity to because it's happened time and time again where they had the opportunity to win the division. They had the opportunity to win a division under Jim Schwartz. They've had the opportunity Three times with the Lions under uh, Jim Caldwell. Caldwell's first year when they went 11-5. and five. Last year when they went 97 and back into the playoffs. And they had the chance this year when Aaron Rodgers broke his, his uh, collarbone. But people still want Caldwell here because he's the best that we've had. Because they're afraid. Oh, well, who are we going to bring in to, to, uh, to take his place? I don't know. Someone that's not going to make bad decisions on the field. Someone that knows that you need to have 11 fucking players on defense when on a third down and nine against the Baltimore Ravens. Someone that knows to challenge plays at the end of the game when you basically need anything, everything to go your way to make a comeback. Caldwell multiple times this year alone and in the past has not had enough players on the field. That's coaching. Not kicking a field goal against the Pittsburgh Steelers when you were down. You were down by two points, and you're on the goal line in the third quarter. You decided to go for a fourth and was it a fourth and goal from like the three? No, it was like a fourth and two on like the three yard line. Kick the field goal, take the points, take the lead. And then the next play, Juju Smith-Schuster is running 99 yards down the field, scoring a touchdown on you. 
That's coaching. Don't be paralyzed by the failure of this team's past. Because if you are, if you're that afraid of what the the decisions that this organization is going to make as far as their next head coach, that you're willing to stick with a guy that hasn't won shit for you, why are you still watching this team? If you're willing to accept mediocrity from Jim Caldwell as your head coach because you're afraid of what's going to happen if you leave it up to this organization to hire another coach, why are you still watching this team? Literally on my on my timeline, as we were talking about the Detroit Lions, I hear people saying that, well, I hope you're ready for this team to suck for the next two years. I hope you're ready for us to only win four games. If you truly believe that, if you truly believe that with Jim Caldwell, Jim Caldwell is the reason why you're not a 4-12 team and he hasn't won anything for you, why are you still watching this team? If this team is that fucking bad, why are you watching it? And you can't say I'm being hypocritical because I didn't watch this team this year. You can ask my girlfriend. Every Sunday, I was watching NFL Red Zone. Yeah, I saw a couple plays of the Lions whenever they... I saw plays from the Lions game on, on the Red Zone, but I, I didn't sit down and watch a full Lions game except for that one against Pittsburgh. I can't watch this team. This team bothers me. This team angers me. And I don't... I, I, I want to enjoy watching football. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to watch a team that I'm, I'm so paralyzed with fear with any decision that they make. Oh, well, ain't nobody out there, you know, that's going to come in and, and, and coach this team. Really? Because nobody knew who the hell Sean McVay was, but he just went out to the Rams, won a division with, with the Rams. And honestly, <laughs> to, be, to be really, really honest with you, the Rams and the Vikings are probably the two best teams in the NFC right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if the two of them are playing in the NFC championship game. It, I'm not sure how the playoff bracket exactly is working right now, but those are probably the two teams that I would pick to, to play in the NFC championship game. It'd be one of those teams that I would pick to win the Super Bowl. I mean, go to the Super Bowl this year from the NFC. <laughs> and that... And, and and the weird thing is, the Lions actually have a little bit of talent, man. They have some talent. They've got their quarterback, Stafford. I I I, I can't believe I'm saying something good about Matt Stafford. <clears throat> For years, I was saying that Calvin Johnson being on this team was holding Matt Stafford back, and I felt like the past two years, he's shown that he can move the ball around to different receivers. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Marvin Jones had a good year. Golden Tate had a good year. Kenny Galladay looks pretty good. Eric Ebron, who I absolutely hate, he he even looked good, especially towards the end of the year. Stafford, Stafford is a good quarterback. <clears throat> That's hard for me to say. But you have your quarterback of the future. Your offensive line this year was banged up the whole year, but Taylor Decker is your left tackle of the future you got Graham Glasgow who's probably going to if they don't bring back Swanson Glasgow is going to move his center so you got your center of the, of the future um, Wagner and TJ Lang were banged up the whole year 
But next year, going into the year, if you can keep that offensive line healthy, you have a on paper a good offensive line. You've got a couple of weapons in the off on the, at receiver. You got to get a running back. You got to get that running game together. And I think O line being healthy will help that. But you also got to go get a running back that can make a difference. They have to do that. They've got the young guy, Jerry Davis, and uh, Tamira Whitehead, who I think are two good pieces. But you got to continue to improve that linebacking core. You've got Darius Slay and Glover Quinn, two of the best players, two of the best secondary players in the game, I think. But you definitely need another corner. But you have one of the best corners in the game. You have one of the best uh, safeties in the game. But they got to improve that defensive line. Ever since Sue left, they really haven't done anything with that D-line. And Ziggy, I hate to say this, folks, but you might have to either you're going to have to franchise him for one year and let him make him prove it, or you're going to have to trade Ziggy or let him walk. You're going to have to do You can't give Ziggy a long-term contract right now because he hasn't earned it. But <laughs> the sad thing is you don't have any of the pass rushers, man. Maybe maybe when the carry hater comes back, maybe he he improves on he can you know do what he did in 2016. Maybe you have him and losing him before the season definitely hurt. But you need another pass rusher. You got to get that defensive line together. But here's the thing. Here's what here's hope. Here's hope for the Lions. <clears throat> You're gonna get a coach, and from the four guys that I've seen them look at so far. Matt Patricia, Terrell Austin, who's the defensive coordinator of the Lions right now, um, Mike Vrabel, and I want to say the guy's name is Mike Sinka. I can't remember his name, but he's the defensive coordinator for the Panthers. Those are the four names that have come up already for the Detroit Lions. So it looks like they're looking to bring in a defensive mind, which I love. Build the defense. That's, that's always my philosophy. Build your defensive line, your offensive line, and your running. You, if I'm building a team from scratch, I'm I'm bolstering that defensive line, the offensive line, so that I can run the ball and I can stop the run and protect my quarterback and get to the quarterback. That's that's the basic formula. So it looks like they're going to go with the defensive mind at, at the head coach spot. So they want to, you know, sure up that defense. I'm happy with that. I'm very happy with that. You're off, you've invested a lot of money in that offense over the years. Get, get a running back in there that you believe in and get some more depth on that side, but pretty much your offense is going to be your offense. You're going to, have to need another offensive mind in there too. But the Lions have the 20th pick in the draft, and they have $53 million in cap space. They're going, they're going to go into the season with the 10th most cap space. So, honestly, in my mind, as far as the coaching jobs that are available, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but on paper, I think the Detroit Lions have the most attractive uh, job for coaches. I think they're like, if they're not the number one, they're the number two team as far as situations for a coach to go into because you have a franchise quarterback. You've got talent on both sides of the ball. And you have $53 million in cap space. You know, cap space, franchise quarterback, and some talent. 
I'm cool with that. You And I was listening to Lewis really talk about this. He was saying basically the positions that he look at are quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, quarterback, left tackle, center, pass rusher, corner. The Lions have something in all those positions. You got Stafford. You got Decker at, t- at tackle. They've got a pass rusher in Ziggy. They're going to have to figure that out. They've got their center, whether they bring back Travis Swanson or they move Graham Glasgow over to that position. But you've got that. And you got Darius Hayward Bay. Not Darius Hayward Bay. Darius Slay <laughs> as your corner, who's one of the top ten corners in the game. And you got a good safety in uh, Glover Quinn. The Lions have those. you got to fill in the rest. And you got $53 million in cap space to do that. And you have draft positions, too. That you can use to fill in those spots. So I think the Lions have the most attractive position in the league right now as far as uh, coaching spots. This is going to make the right choice. And I want Bob Quinn to make this decision because I feel like now he'll have his guy in there. He can run this team the way he really wants to. He's going to have to get this right because if he doesn't, he needs to go too. But... That's my rant. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to get that off my chest. So now I'm a I'm gonna go get some some good New Year's food. <laughs> but if you have thoughts, comments, questions about the Detroit Lions, Michigan State football, or Michigan football, feel free to you know hit me up and and and, and you know continue the discussion. You know I'm probably end up doing another one of these whenever the Lions make a decision about uh, their coach. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, I was just in the mood to talk about this. Thought I'd throw this out there. So, like I said, if you have questions, concerns, comments, you got want to join the discussion, hit me up on Twitter at Devin the 63 That's D-E-V-I-N-T-H-E-6-3. You can hit me up on Instagram. That's All Steak No Sizzle, one word. You can hit up the All Steak No Sizzle podcast page on uh, Facebook. And hit me up on Facebook, man. That's where I have a lot of my debates. Devin McKenzie, just hit me up on there. You know, I'll talk a little football with you. And while you're at it, um, check out <laughs> my MMA and uh, pro wrestling show that I have with um, a couple good friends of mine. We're doing some major things. We broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 o'clock. From 9 to 10 now, we've, we've made some just some changes. We're going to broadcast every week on Tuesdays from 9 to 10. So we're going to do an hour now. But uh, you can check us out on uh, the Podcast Detroit Network. Go to podcastdetroit.com or download the Podcast Detroit app. And you can listen to us live. Or you can follow Podcast Detroit on all the, the major podcast networks and look up. Knockouts and three counts will be on there. You can listen to the podcast version. It usually comes like a day or two after uh, the show we do live on Tuesday. So check that out. And, you know, check out all the social media for Knockouts and Three Counts. It's KO3C Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and I think it's on Facebook too. I got to double check that. But type in Knockouts and Three Counts on Facebook, it'll definitely pop up. <sighs> I think I got all those plugs out of the way. Um, yeah, that's about it. Happy New Year's to you people. 
thank you all for listening, man. I know it's been a while since I've put stuff out on the All State No Sizzle page. I wasn't planning on this episode being this long. I thought it would be like 30 minutes. I'm at 53 minutes right now as I'm talking. <laughs> but uh, it feels good to be back, you know, doing stuff on this page too, man. And um, I-, I hope to be a little bit more diligent with that and a lot more consistent with that. So thank you all for listening. I love you. Appreciate you. Hope you all had a great New Year's. Hope you're getting over your hangovers. Didn't drink too much. But just enough to have some fun. <laughs> and now we all got to go back to work this week, which I'm not looking forward to at all. <laughs> but Happy New Year's to you people. Appreciate you. Expect big things from Devin in the podcast world. Check out Knockouts and Three Counts. And stay tuned to All Snake No Sizzle. Shout out to my niece, to Kenya. Um, me and her did a Generation Exchange episode. That was the last episode I put out on uh, All Sake No Sizzle page. Check her out to Kenya Talks. And check out our YouTube page as well. Yes, yes, yes. Love you, Kenya. And shout out to the Pi fam, everybody that has supported All Stake No Sizzle throughout the years, man. I, well, yeah, this is the second year of it. So I can say the years. Um, shout out to all of you that, that have supported all say no sizzle and everything that I've done. So, all right, enough of that. Y'all enjoy y'all New Year's. Happy New Year's to y'all. And I'll check y'all out next time. Peace.